Hey, everybody. Just want to let everyone know in the audience that today's episode contains some serious topics that include self-harm, suicidal thoughts, substance use and addiction. And so if there are kids or people you might not want to be around to hear these topics, feel free to listen at another time. Thanks, folks. You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everyone. It's America. We're back for another session of In the Open. Teresa's here with me. Hi, everyone. So we're continuing on with our series around Can't Stop. And today we're going to be talking about I can't stop doing things that hurt me. So, Teresa, when I say that, what does that mean to you? I just, I thought about the times when I'm really in a bad spot. Like when I'm in a depressed episode, and I don't know if you feel this way. So now I'm like super interested (laughs) in whether this is something that only happens to people who are really depressed or even if it's just me. But when I'm in a really bad spot, like depression is such a jerk illness, you know? When I'm in a bad spot, I'm not doing great job about taking care of myself. My brain starts to spiral in all this negative thinking about everything, myself, the world, etc. And then the next thing that comes are like suicidal thoughts, right? <laughs> it's very strange, but it's not strange. I think people who have depression feel this way a lot, at least my friends who have depression. But that happens. And then inevitably, I think that these experiences, these feelings and these thoughts, they start to culminate. And then my brain goes into this really bad place where I want to do things that I know are bad for my life. Something about hurting myself makes me feel better, makes me feel justified. And that includes drinking. It includes not exercising. In fact, not only not exercising, all of my worst food habits start to come back hard, like eating the worst foods late at night. And they come with thoughts like, screw it. Why does it all matter? So let's just be bad. Let's just give in, give in to the sorrow. And that's why it doesn't matter if I drink a ton, don't care for myself, don't care for other people, no one cares about me anyways. You know, it's all that cycle. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to talk about this because I'm not in that space and I know that my brain doesn't want me to go there, you know? Right, like as a safety mechanism. And when I have been in our podcast and I've been in a tough spot, that's different to talk about in a different way because I'm in the mix of that suffering. But I'm sure as someone who's walked with me the last four years, I've been in and out of depressed episodes. So you know what I'm talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liken the experience that you're kind of referencing to one time in one of the episodes that we talked about was like going into a cave and you just live in this cave and from time to time kind of stick your hand out to get things that maybe are ultimately necessary. Mm. But that process of you just sheltering so for your safety to keep your cocoon, you know, of safety around you, um, get you to a place where everything else becomes secondary, right? Like when you think about the things that can hurt you, I think that's, for me, the range 
you're talking everything from making decisions around whether to use alcohol, drugs, making, you know, better choices around food, taking care of your person, showering, having clean clothes, uh, you know, all of these aspects that are tied to our, our larger and broader well-being that at the end of the day become like number thousand and one instead of you just dealing with the stuff that's happening because it's too tough to do that. Going into the cave definitely resonates around anxiety. So when mm-hmm. I have a reactive trauma response, mm-hmm. I definitely go to shelter. Okay. And they're tied together, but generally with my anxiety or depression, one takes precedent over the other. And when mm-hmm. depression comes, like there's just nothing fun about it. <laughs> it's it's a rough spot. Mm-hmm. But that that I doesn't happen as often. A depressed episode, thank God. <laughs> I don't wish that on anybody to feel this way. But there's just this part of like, and I can probably journal and look back in time and see how the patterns exist where if I don't, I've, I'm now in a space where if I catch the episode early enough, I can stop myself from getting to this space where I can't stop doing things that hurt myself. Yeah. But when I get to that spot where I'm going to be in like, I can't stop doing things to hurt myself, I've let go. And then I can tell actively like, you know what we've talked about having bra- voices in our brains that tell mm-hmm. us to do right and do wrong? This is that voice that's super loud. And it just – it's it literally is convincing me that hurting myself is the best thing that I can do and it's what I want. And it yeah. feels like a kind of psychosis where I'm not in reality. I call it my depressed reality. And it doesn't just tell me, oh, you're sad, because that's what the progression looks like. At first, it says, oh, it's sad. Life sucks. This sucks. Then when it gets worse, it's like, not only does life suck because it sucks, there's every reason in the whole world for you to just go ahead and blow up your whole life. Right, and that is right. going to be amazing. Yeah, that's what, that, that word stuck out for me in the way that you were describing it around like the justification. And it sounds like that's where it is. It's Every choice that you can make in a place where you would be in a better mental health space, you would be like, no, no, Teresa, that's not good. Yeah. And then otherwise, this large looming monster is like, nope, blow it up, get rid of it, eat whatever you want. You don't have to take care of anything. Go ahead. And that's where I think you get to that other place where you're talking about, about thinking like and laughing about like, how are we going to kill ourselves? You know, like, and that conversation, which becomes embedded with all of the negative emotions that you feel that in the end are just sitting there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Does that happen to you? No, not in the way that you describe it. I've never experienced um, a depressive episode where it's been like weeks or months of a time that I'm just not in the good mental health space. Okay. That's helpful to know because then I'm yeah. just like, okay, then my brain is different. And that's how I know my brain is different. And that's what I've come to and I accept it and I'm okay with it. And now I just need to know how to be protective and like make plans. I'm going to throw you a different scenario where I felt overwhelming feeling that I couldn't stop hurting myself. I felt so overwhelmed with everything that was happening in my life and in my brain that I suddenly felt like I was going to explode from the Mm -hmm. inside out and that my skin 
did not feel comfortable and feel something different on my skin except for what was happening on the inside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I probably wasn't self-medicating with other things or medicating, you know? And so I felt that overwhelmingness. But it's weird because at different times in my life when I (laughs) felt this feeling, it generally is also like in a lower grade version when I'm going to blow up at somebody. It feels like an internalized rage. Yeah. And that's the spectrum of that rage mm-hmm. and the way it's taken out on someone or myself. That is another kind of feeling that makes me think of when I say I, I, I can't stop doing things that hurt myself. It's when I feel that way. Yeah. See, that that I can connect to, right? Like the rage aspect of it. When you describe this feeling of wanting to like get out of your skin there's these moments where I can encounter so much like anger that I feel like I am having an out-of-body experience because I don't know how it is that I am managing to control myself right now. It's so overwhelming that all of my, like all of my physical body, I could describe it to you, like my ears become like they're buzzing you know, my stomach is like full of butterflies. I can feel the tension and like energy flowing through my body. And I'm just like, you have to relax, stop. And I, and I'm, I'm very conscious of the fact that it's happening. So it's like that spectrum that you're talking about, you know, where I think this is why it's important to have this conversation. Cause when you talk about hurting yourself, right? Like there are things that we're doing that we know are not in the best intention for ourselves. Yeah. And then this latter half, yeah, that's different from the depressed voice and the depressed psychosis is that this is why we engage in behaviors that hurt us mm-hmm. <laughs> cuz you're seeking a rage balling, you know, at somebody cuz you're seeking to get release or release Mm-hmm. release from whatever it is that we're we've built up yeah release release inside in some way yeah and i do think that different bodies hold on to pressure and rage and this internalized space differently and i do think that trauma being from an abusive childhood household makes your body react differently to the way that we would normally experience stress in our lives, right? Yeah. And you know how this also has shown up in some of the work that I used to do with adolescents, it would just show up that they were consistently up in arms with their parents and they they couldn't find a place where they would understand one another. Mm-hmm. And even though they wanted to really have like conversations with their parents, the fact that maybe their parents didn't understand, they didn't understand the language. And there was all these like cultural aspects to it too, ended up having them react in a way that they were like, forget it. I'm going to run away. I'm going to leave my house. I'm going to, they weren't doing good for themselves. And then you get into that cycle of what am I doing? But then you keep doing it. And it's like disastrous to think of how that influences our the rest of our development. <laughs> Thanks for unlocking a memory. 
what you're describing, at least the way I could describe it for myself in my life was there was a period in my life where I didn't know my value or my worth and that my life had told me that I was only worth X, Y, or Z. You know, Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this when we talk about, am I broken? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that when I was in that space where I truly believed in my brain that I was only trash or that I was not worth it, that I absolutely put myself in a ton of harm's way, (laughs) made the worst decisions because you only protect something worth protecting. Yep. Yep. You know? So then I was like, well, why can't I hurt myself? Because why does it matter anyways? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if you don't value life, then why do you act in a way to preserve it? Mm -hmm. So the only alternative that's left is to destroy yourself. When when we speak about it, we we talk about, you know, maybe it's the I like what you said, the rage balling. But I've also seen in in other folks that the way they hurt themselves is by literally not speaking up and they just take they allow for others, which is in line. It's in line with what you're saying. But there's this one situation that comes to mind where this person was being berated by somebody mm-hmm. else. And there was every instance to just say, no, don't talk to me like that. That's, that's not, you know, how you should say this or whatever. Don't yell at me. Don't approach me this way, whatever. But the person took it. And after having a conversation with them, they were just like, what's the point? It was important for them to share it. So I'm going to take that with me. And like, they owned it. And I was like, why? Like, that has nothing to do with you. That's them. Mm. And that's another aspect of like hurting yourself, like you allowing people to mistreat you and you in many ways not having that boundary to say, no, that's not okay. But it speaks to what you're saying. It tells me too that like, yeah, it doesn't mean that you have to actually go hurt yourself. I think that's the point you're making that we can hurt ourselves by not standing up for ourselves. Yeah. And that is bound up in trauma. Whatever that person has learned in their life, they've learned that speaking up doesn't result in something positive. Mm-hmm. As much as much anger and rage that I can have about things, one of the one of the things that I think always sticks out for me is this idea that when you come to this place of not being able to see that you have value, like how do you how do you work yourself out from that? God, I hate you, America, so much because this <laughs> just like bring everything around to present day and. I love my husband. It's so interesting because he really relates to what you said. As a person who is a partner for someone who has experienced child abuse, I think he often is like, why can't you see that these people are hurting you and stand up for yourself? And it is a challenge because I appreciate another friend in our lives who encouraged my husband to say like, you don't know what it's like to have grown up in her life, but she's not going to operate on the timeline that you operate on. And that's true because it took me three months. He's saying words, but I don't know what that means. I've lived my whole life doing what I need to do to protect myself and preserve whatever safety makes sense for me in my life that I can do. And sometimes I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I am alive. And that alone is the world. Mm -hmm. I've won if I could be alive. So to to look at all this other stuff and go there, it's a lot. It's a lot Mm -hmm. to ask, especially if other people are not going to change. 
which is what right. we tell people all the time, right? We're like, well, you can't control them. So just work on you. And then when your partner who comes in is like, well, why can't you put them on blast so they can work on themselves? You're like, I am literally just surviving. Yeah. I've done all that I can to just be here in this moment with you today. I can't take on all that stuff too. That's mm-hmm. too much. Yes, I understand that as my partner, you don't understand why I'm not putting myself out there to protect myself. But you, I'm now also saying like, can you see that this is how I'm also protecting myself? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> that not making myself additionally responsible for changing other people's behaviors or standing up for myself in some way is setting a boundary. Yeah, it's so tough to to navigate the spaces of where we want to be able to provide support and not come into that situation with the solution kind of mindset, right? Like, why well, I'm gonna I can help you. Oh yeah, for sure. Follow these steps, and I will yeah. help you. Know, like, and and it's really hard because that I think also comes from a place of trauma for whatever reason we want to be solution focused yeah but i think in the larger kind of space of this conversation there are so many ways that we ultimately hurt ourselves and they can be very small to very big and over time they build on one another and it's a it's a snowball effect really you know because it's easier to then engage in like really unhelpful behavior Mm -hmm. that and then it makes you feel better it makes you feel better for like a moment and then you go back to the space of crappiness i want to go back to us in relationship with one another because i do think I i imagine people relate to that because we don't live in a vacuum if we choose to exist and live then it means that we choose to have friends and try to be in relationship with people (laughs) you want to be solution focused I don't, well, I'm going to pause now because something that you just said was like, it really just triggered a thought for me about, like, I understand that people want solutions. Actually, I think in response to a lot of trauma and seeing people hurt, either seeing people depressed and being like, I need you to get better because watching you suffer is too much. (laughs) Or, yes, I don't know why you're not standing up for yourself. (laughs) Or I don't know why you keep dating the wrong people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) why do you keep making these life choices (laughs) you know i i i can't say that that's not a that's a bad thing you know i i don't know that i've always had the ears to hear it (laughs) i think that sometimes in my life and that's that is what i where i think it gets difficult so when you want to be solution focused but you put the desire to be to fix me out there and I don't receive it. I think it's the next step for people on the other side, like you all to then say, additionally, something is wrong with us. And yes, that's true. Duh. Look at me. Oh, yeah. But I'm also like, I'm not operating as fast as you are. I do feel like literally chunks of my body and my brain have been re-altered by life. And in that moment, we're just asking for a moment of compassion Mm -hmm. and maybe just slowing down 
to in in the best way, the support has come from helping to build insight about why mm-hmm. I'm the way I am and why I'm making these choices as much as the solution. Yeah, I think I can only speak for myself, but I will I will speak to other things too. I am solution focused because I don't like to see people suffer. So, and the suffering runs the gamut, right? Sometimes it has shown up in my life where people don't know where to find information, resources. So I find that I'm like, oh no, I will run around the world to find the thing that you need because I know that it exists, right? That's one part of it. The other part of it is really tied to this, the, the hurt, the hurt that occurs when another person is really suffering and you being unable to provide comfort in a way that is meaningful for that person. So what I have learned in coming through all of these different experiences is just being able to show up and say, I am here. You have to let me know how I can help you because otherwise, and sometimes they don't know, they don't know what kind of help can be provided. So I just show up and I'm like, dude, I'm here. You want to watch a movie and that's it? Fine. We don't ever have to talk about anything else. You want me to like get you dinner because you haven't been able to cook? Cool. Whatever the case is, right? But sometimes what I have also found in that is like in the shadow brain of ideas of suffering and hurting yourself, it's so much work to even think about the idea of like taking a shower, my place is to say, well, what can I help? What can I do to make that easier for you? You know, I can't, I can't literally pop you in the shower. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But, you know, the idea is helping you think through that. Yeah. So that it's not just like, oh, you know, here comes the, the hero to save the day. Not at all. You know, that that's never worked. No, I mean, and I don't think most people think that, although yeah. that's an anxiety you have about yeah. when you come to the relationship, you're afraid that's what we think you are. <laughs> I don't know that that's like not ever the thought about the like, oh, you're coming in to save me. But it's like, I could be all focused on what's happening for myself, that it's strange for me to have somebody come into that space and what that means for them to to have an, a very strong opinion <laughs> about the way something should happen, you know? Oh, yeah, like, it's the shoulds. Like, that, like for yeah. you to come in and say, well, you suddenly know about my dating habits and you suddenly are the expert <laughs> in my family relationships. And, <laughs> you know, that, that, yeah. that can feel like a shock at the very least. But then if I'm not checking myself and seeing it from an empathic perspective, feel like an imposition, like, why mm-hmm. are you putting yourself in my business? <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're like, well, cause I care, <laughs> which is true. And that's what I want yeah, in my brain. Line, but in that dude. moment, my brain is not telling me that like anybody yeah. should care and like everybody should stay out of it. This is what I want, you know, like this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like a stubbornness um, that's created because of what psychologists call like a myopic lens, like in these moments when you felt the rage ball, the whole world feels like it does zoom in. Mm -hmm. Your whole world becomes way smaller. And so you're not able to see everything in the same way again. And that's part of the problem, right? 
Yeah. Is like is that everything feels very small and tight and pressured. Let me tell you what what is sticking out for me in around a final thought. I think too often people go to this place of trying to identify like really bad situations and how that how that lines up to hurt. But we hurt ourselves in so many ways that if we actually really think about it and stop and stop to really think, how is this showing up in my life? Maybe there's ways that we can tackle that so that it doesn't get to a place where we feel like the world is ending. I'm having a lot of feelings and emotions come up. And so this topic is, I could tell I this topic is hard on my soul mm-hmm. because I'm having shadows of what that myopia feels like, you know, as I've disclosed to you and just sharing and being open about that space. At one point in our conversation, I was surprised because I, the first example that popped in my brain was one. And then as we talked, I was like, oh, here's the next version mm-hmm. <laughs> of how I've done this. And then the next version of how I've done this. So it's like, okay, if you reflect on all these things, then here are the 20 varieties of cakes for how you've chosen to hurt yourself in your lifetime, you know, or how you've struggled with this thought, this feeling or this experience. I can't stop yeah. doing things that hurt me. I, I'll end with this. How about that? I don't know. I'm proud of myself. If you had asked me to unpack this with you, America, three years ago or four years ago when you and I started this podcast, there's no way. Yeah. And I'm I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so that just, I mean, I think it reminds you that there's always something to learn and that also things will get better and nobody has a timeline on your recovery process. Mm-hmm. I would have simultaneously four years ago said I was fine. Like life is great. That was the delusion I had to tell my brain to exist. You know, when you're ready, you unpack things. Um, And this is a hard topic to explore, but I'm not afraid of it. I'm proud of it, but I can tell even in talking to you today, there's still a lot more to unpack. I just think the the ability for us to be able to talk about this because you're right we we've been working together specifically on the podcast for you know several years and there there have been times when we've worked together and you are in a depressive episode or you're going through an an anxiety episode and all of that is indicative of how it fluctuates right how it shows up in our lives and I think that's important that's the real honest piece of our work when we're just like, this is who we are. We're not, you know, we're not just making all these things up. This is our experience and how we're coming into the world. So I thank you for that, um, Teresa. So we're going to close out the podcast today. And I would say, keep listening to us, you know, follow us and then stick around for next week's session. We're going to keep talking about I can't stop. And yeah, man, keep fighting in the open.